0: I'm Julie Hill and you're tuned into the Backyard Pet Talk with Shannon Riley Coiner podcast.
1: Hello Julie it's so great to have you here today. I'm very excited to have our call and um just in case our listeners aren't sh- sure where you came from, I, um you have Dogcast dog Radio. Um and you have been doing this for quite a while. So can you tell us all about tell us about why you started Dogcast Radio and How did it start give us kind of the history of it
0: okay oh it's a long history so just settle settle down sit back (laughs) Um, sit back and enjoy the the story (laughs) yes once upon a time i i was a little (laughs) girl who always loved dogs just always adored dogs i wanted a dog and i just loved family and friends dogs and i had imaginary dogs and i was very sad (laughs) um just always loved them and then I waited until the right moment came to have my dog and my daughter was seven and I was spending a lot of time at home and that was 2003 and we got Buddy the Black Labrador and he was amazing. I mean I, I knew having a dog was what I wanted to do but he was beyond all my dreams. Um, he wasn't perfect but you know he he taught me a lot. He, I mean, he became perfect. I have to say that <laughs> he grew into being himself, you know, with, with a little help from me, but he did most of it and he was perfect. But having him, I fell into conversation with so many other dog owners. And so I'd come back and I'd been out for a dog walk. And I'd been ages and ages. And Anthony would say, Mr. Dogcast would say, where have you been? Where have you been? Oh, I'm just talking to so-and-so's dad or so-and-so's mum or whatever. And so he he didn't get really fed up with me talking to other people but you know it just became this joke that I was fell into conversation so then he knew that podcasting was going to take off so in 2004 we've had buddy about a year and he said you know we should do a dog podcast because you you talk about dogs a lot and you've always written a bit and you know we should try I couldn't see it then he mentioned it again in 2005 and I just could see what we could do and it all fell into place and I thought oh yeah I could interview people I can I can talk I'm not too shy so I could talk to people and I could write I could you know do articles and and um stories and and Buddy's Buddy's diary by then had formed in my head that I could write in Buddy's voice and that was quite appealing to me um and Jenny could do puppy playtime and things like this so we thought okay great let's 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 do this this, this sounds fun and really that was it at the beginning we just thought okay a bit of fun and it's um a way to share dogs and have fun and meet more dogs um and so we did that and we put the first one together I can remember that the first guy I phoned I just looked on the internet fans that it looked interesting and, and and good and kind um it kind wasn't such a big thing then but he, he said all the right things that were being said then so I phoned him and um and he said yeah I'll just have to go and check with my agent and I was like oh my goodness so he did and he came back and said yeah yeah i can do that and he was wonderful and he gave me i think i asked for three tips of what, what are the most important things to teach your dog and i think sit was one of them so he gave me this lovely interview about that and we went to a local park where they were doing a labrador day and we got lots of interviews about labradors because we've done breed profiles um and that was our first show so it, it was a lovely day and being surrounded by labradors and talking to people and it was a good excuse to go up to people and say Kind of just talk to you about your dog, you know. So uh-huh. that was
1: good. And so then you got to do what you were already doing, but now you made it into something.
0: Yeah. That's it. That's it. And we, we used to have a little mini disc then to, that we recorded <laughs> on. It was, <laughs> oh, it was we'll get into that later, but uh, the, the technology was very different. But then we'd been going six months and I'd never been to Crufts. And I, I thought, you know, I really should go to Crufts. It's not only sort of an hour away. So we applied to Crufts as press and we actually got in as new media I was blown away by the fact that I was going to cruft as press I was like, oh my goodness and um, and so and we went and and that was amazing and from there I started wanting to to show buddy crufts. and so from that I started another project called cruft or bust where it's one one dog one year one crazy dream to get Buddy to Croft, and then we did to or Bust and he actually got there. Uh, spoiler alert, but he got there. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. And he didn't go as, as showing because there's show dogs and there's all kinds of competition. So we did a bit of agility and a bit of um, um, obedience and stuff. And how we got there because the, the charities have stands there. So he qualified as an um, education dog for the Blue Cross. Mm. and we went like that, and he was on the Blue Cross stand, and he was perfect for that, because he he just wanted to Labrador everyone, and meet everyone, and, <laughs> and say hello, and that was great, so we did our two hours, or whatever it was on the stand, but then the difficulty with him was trying to get him back to the press room, because he was on on mode, and he just thought, I have to meet everybody in the building oh at the gosh. NEC, so, but it was, I mean, it was amazing, the the adventure that Buddy took me on, was just we went on television. There was a a, a soap opera here. It is a soap opera, Emmerdale Farm, and a popular morning show. Uh, this morning wanted a, a dog for the Dales to go on this show, and we ended up. We didn't. We didn't win the competition, but uh-huh. we went on this. We went on this morning. We met uh, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, um, and we made friends there that I'm still in touch with. Uh, yeah, and it's so. I mean. Really, thank you, buddy. Because dog cast wouldn't have happened without buddies. <laughs> you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about how many dogs that
1: in my life because I've had lots of different dogs in my life, and how each dog. And I tell my clients this when they're struggling with the dog. I'm like, this dog is here probably to teach you something. Um, you're this dog came to you. It's not an accident that you ended up with this dog. Whether you know it's something you have to learn about yourself. Or you have to learn about, or that you're going to move into, because I had a dog that kind of did the same thing to get me to cross over from, you know, traditional training to positive, because I was like, this is not working. You know, this was way in the '90s, and I'm like, it doesn't work, and I don't like it, and it made me explore, and I think that's great. The buddy took you on something that, if he hadn't come into your life, you wouldn't have taken that path.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh-huh. and as you say. The 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 advice, the dog training advice, when we got Buddy was sort of um, that you eat after their bowl first, and you go through every door first, and they earn every bit of food that they have. And I felt I was bringing this wild animal in, yes. and and it took a few months to sort of think you you just want to be loved really, you know, to to look at buddy and think you're not here to take over, (laughs) you know, you don't want the keys to the car. Exactly. You're not, you're not trying to dominate
1: me or alpha me. No, You you just want me to love you. And and you need me to be a leader, like a parent. You need me to to keep you safe and you need me to keep you guided and feed you and shelter you and make sure you're watered and cared for. But they're beyond that. Like you just want, to be part of the family, not, yeah, yeah, not be. And I know how I felt in those days is I didn't, I'm not a dictator. I am not a micromanager for my businesses. I am not a micromanager as a mother. I am not a helicopter parent. So all of a sudden it's just not who I am. So all of a sudden they're wanting me to helicopter parent, essentially my dogs that I'm like, well, I got my dogs to enjoy life. Like I, and I don't helicopter in business. Why would I helicopter in pleasure? You know? it's a lot yeah. of stress so I, yeah. it is it's amazing how much the philosophies have changed I mean we're still got a lot of ways to go because there's still people oh gosh yes in those yeah. older traditional ways but yeah. they, but um yeah it's super I'm so happy that Buddy
0: took you on this path oh me too he was oh amazing. my gosh. he was well, and then and- you, he he was the perfect dog for me Yes. And I think he might have driven somebody else mad. He was very in your face. He was he wanted to be with you. He You know, he didn't have any personal space. Uh, he was very lively. But for me at that time, he was the perfect dog. And I think yes. that's, you know, we the rod you make for your own back, if you like the I always think we get a dog and we we sort of try and eliminate the behaviours that we don't we can't yes. live with. And we encourage the behaviors we like. And, but your dog might drive me mad, but my dog might drive you. mad. Exactly.
1: Oh, oh, for sure. Like some people, I do not like Velcro dogs. I am not, Mm. I want an independent dog, but I want one who will cuddle with me, like in certain scenarios, like on the bed, on the couch, on that thing. But I also don't want them like, you know, when I'm working 24 seven. And so I like, but some people want that 24 seven dog. And it is, you hit on something that I'm working actually on some projects on my own about putting things together where, um, the human and the dog, we match them better. Because when mm. I have private training clients that the most, it's usually because they mismatched their dog. So maybe yes. they're an older couple that gets the most bouncy wild Labrador that they, that, that is a good Labrador, but oh, they yeah. don't have the physical capability because mm-hmm. they're retired. They're in their eighties. It's like, Sometimes I'm going, what happened here? And yes. then, or yeah. you get the person who's a couch potato and they get the border collie that yeah. wants to work. Yeah. <laughs> or you get the dog that's a couch potato, the Mastiff with the person who wants to run marathons with their dog. And mm. those things, those are personality traits. It's kind of like when you're dating, you know, when or are meeting friends or you meet humans, it doesn't mean another human is bad. You just don't have common interests yes. or common values or. Common, you know, beliefs. So doesn't mean either of you were bad. You're just not going to be matched.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And
1: that's the same thing with dogs and people.
0: Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. That, that there's nothing wrong with the, the, the person or the dog that just isn't for you, but it exactly. just doesn't happen to be to you. I mean, the, the um, we met, we were very lucky to meet the, the first scientifically proved Addison's detection dog, which oh. is a beautiful, oh, Coco, gorgeous chocolate Labrador. Wonderful. I just, beautiful dog and does this amazing role as an assistance dog and a sort of a medical detection dog. Um, But he had his original owners got in touch with medical detection dogs and said, come and get him because if you don't, we're going to, we're just going to put him down. We can't put up with him anymore. He's awful. Take him. So they took him. He just needed a job to do. You know, He he was intelligent. He was, he was had the energy, the drive. He just needed a job. And as an assistance dog with a job to do and company all day long, Perfect dog, and yet yeah. to that family, he wasn't. Yeah. You know, he wasn't a good, in inverted commas, pet dog because we need we need our pet dogs to tolerate downtime at least. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that wasn't him. And and I think that's you, you're absolutely right. That's where a lot of unhappiness comes from. For example, I love pointers. The English pointers mm-hmm. love them. They are they're so beautiful, but they need to run and run and run. I can't run and run and run. So the dog would be miserable, you know? So I won't have one. love them. But we need to look at what, what the dog is like, not what the dog looks like. And then I, you
1: know, I love agility and I teach agility and I, my agility dog is retired now, my lab, and he was a great partner for me. And I eventually will get another agility dog when he passes and I have space in my home. But I, and, and people think, oh, are you going to get an Aussie or a Border Collie? And I'm like, well, I'm also almost 50 and I don't know if I want to, I'm not planning on going to the Olympic level of agility. <laughs> yes, I just want to compete yeah. locally. Like I don't have like the drive to be like the top of the championship. So probably not. I'll probably end up with mm-hmm. another lab because a, a lab that has drive, but also can be a family dog that doesn't have to work every single day, you know, that doesn't need. That I can find that balance. And yeah, it is. And I just know myself. And so and I people think I'm crazy because I can see a group of puppies and be like, "Mm, none of those are for me. And they're like, How do you walk away from puppies? I'm like, because I know me and (laughs) I know what I need. And I know that it's just gonna be I want my experience with my dogs to be enjoyable. I mean, there's gonna be work, but enjoyable work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, I have to train the dog again. Like (laughs) you know, yeah. Uh, uh, Oh, you can't dread it yeah you can't dread it and the dog can't dread it you've both got to think this is fun this is you know we're a team here but it's if it's the kind of activity that one of you isn't happy to do it's you're on just like
1: really human relationships you know it's
0: exactly the
1: same so that i love that buddy was the guidance of this this is and so (laughs) now we've touched on it briefly but it is a little interesting as technology has gone because some people might not quite realize like. Some people might be just learning about podcasts today. Like this might be their first podcast they've ever listened to. And they'll be like, what? You mean podcasts have been around 20 years? What's going on with that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So tell me, because I mean, I know because I've done a lot of technology things that have changed and I've had to learn on the fly a lot. Tell us about how podcasting
0: has changed since you really started all of this. Oh my goodness. One thing, when we started... People didn't know what a podcast was. It wasn't mainstream, and when you sort of said about a podcast, we, we that's why we're Dogcast Radio because it's like online radio, and it gave people an idea of what it was. So when we actually started, we went out. We got onto. Um, uh, itunes on the front page in, in news it was cnn bbc dogcast radio and we thought we'd made it and now since then of course everybody brought a podcast out and <laughs> we have knocked knocked down a few notches but you know in the early days we were, thought, wow this is great um but i mean we didn't have people didn't have an iTunes, iphone or a smartphone or anything mm-hmm. and in the early days of skype we had a skype phone we we had sort of homemade tools, and my husband again was very good. So we had it. We had, I think we had two boxes with twiddly knobs on them, and this Skype phone, and and the, it was like the dining room table was just taken up with. I can find it. I can dig a, a photo out, but it was sort of taken up with leads and wires, and these twiddly knob boxes, and this phone, and and a computer, obviously a laptop, and it was just in in the early days uh, it was a two-man operation two-person operation so we'd both sit there and i would do the talking on the phone and he would do the making sure all the technology was um, and i say technology and inverted commas there and it was the editing of it and the sound quality of it oh my goodness it was it was a different world and it's it's evolved so so beautifully that it's so easy now to think I've got an idea, I've got a message I want to put out or I've got comedy or whatever it is.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you just need a microphone and your laptop and free editing um, software and you're away. But it was very, I find it hard cause I'm not technical. And I remember the one time, cause I had to make sure, you know, this dial was on this, this dial was on that. And, and I got it wrong. So the one time I interviewed this lady, it was the interview that's about um, Australian Shepherds. And I phoned her, did the interview, a really good interview put it, said bye-bye, put the phone down, listened to it back to check it. And it was just me going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hadn't recorded her. And oh, I, so I had to phone her back and say, could we do it again? Because your side was the more interesting, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That is, so that was,
1: and then, and yeah. that's, I mean, it's learning, but it's it's uh, but it's frustrating. Mm. It's funny that you should say that though, because something I've been, pondering this, my brain works in weird ways and it ponders on things and mistakes has been something that I've been pondering about with dogs because dogs make mistakes and that's how they learn. And, you know, and, and, uh, my kids make mistakes. I make mistakes and that's how we learn. And it's been my conversation, just interesting how the world is, you know, about how mistakes are not bad and they help us learn. And so even in that situation, like you made a mistake, Okay. And you were able to call and they were kind about it, it. sounds like she was kind and re-recorded it. And then you probably never made that mistake again. Like, or, Absolutely. you know, you know, Absolutely. because, and so it's kind of a tangent of what we were talking about, but it's just something that's been going on in my head yeah. about people get so afraid to make mistakes or yes. that their dogs are going to make a mistake or their kids or whoever. And our world is just not that way. And yeah we're always going to make mistakes, but that's how we learn. And that's what I always try to teach my kids. As long as you learn from it. I mean, if you keep making the same mistake over and over and over, then that's just insanity. And so like, don't do that. But if you could go, okay, I didn't turn the knobs, right. Um, yes. so I'm going to do it next time. I'm going to do that. You know, I didn't, I was telling you before we were on this client that, you know, has a really smart dog and they're novice trainers. Um, you know, they made a mistake. And as long as they are willing to like see, oh, you expected too much from him and they they reduce their expectations to more reasonable expectations, they can be successful and then the dog's successful and then everybody's happy. And then those mistakes don't hurt as much. And that's, I think in our society is, we look at mistakes as such a bad thing, yes. but that's just such a great, I mean, like I said, it's a little tangent, but I think it's a great, Um, since mm-hmm. we're talking to people who do work with their dogs, um, on, kind of owning like, it's okay to make mistakes, you know, because yeah. you learn more and you probably doing podcasts since then, there were probably lots of little mistakes that you guys oh, made because technology is hard and it's yes. weird and
0: it's yeah. always changing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one, one bit of the, it's, it's not the technology, but it's, I, I have I find the time differences really difficult. I'm in the UK and it, the USA has got different time zones. And then Australia Sometimes it's a number of hours and a half. Yes, and it's so difficult. And I remember that the one lady, I again, it was all early, early Skype and early technology. And I, I was trying to phone somebody, and I got the wrong number. Got, got this. This lady picked up very, very um sleepily, going, "Hello," and I went, "Hello." And I went, "Oh, hi!" And I recognised the voice, and I said, "Hi, whoever you know." I'll say, "Sarah." Yeah. Hi, Sarah. Um, and she, "Hello," and I thought, "Oh my goodness." she's in Australia. I've woken her up. It must be like four o'clock in the morning there. And I hadn't got the brains to sort of go, okay, go, <laughs> sorry, wrong number. And I went, it's me, Julie. Sorry. i woken <laughs> you up. And then she was like, yeah, but it, it's, I love Australians because she just went, I do apologize for the bad accent, but she, she <laughs> kind of went, yeah, but it's, it's okay. As long as it's not bad news, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, no, it's just me being stupid. And I interviewed her later again uh, for, for something else, but you know, that's, and it, I, found, I felt at the time, I, w- I was so horrible. I beat myself up. I made myself feel so bad about that. Um, and I, and I, I can remember saying to a friend, I'm not fit to be lo- let loose on the general public. I'm really not. I really be- beat myself up. And one of the things, not specifically to do with dogs, but one of the things I've learned is don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. And also, I seem to have developed a thicker skin. So in those days, when something went wrong, I would, be, I would feel so hot with the shame of it, you know, yes. and now I just go, oh, well, you know, we'll move on. Things go wrong. <laughs>
1: uh, those time zones, even in the U S since I'm in California, you know, I do a lot of stuff yes. the East coast and I have to double check because sometimes people just say this time, but they don't say what time zone. And now because I'm doing things internationally, you know, I'm not just doing things in California, in my local town, you know, I'm doing international conversations or podcasts or webinars. And I missed a webinar once because we, you know, I thought it was 11 o'clock my time, but it was nine o'clock, whatever time they were in. And so I'm, they're messaging me on Facebook. I'm at coffee with my friend. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm supposed to be on live right now. And so I I did this if in past, I would have like never forgiven myself. Mm -hmm. I messaged her back and said, I thought it was this time we rescheduled for the next week and it was fine. Nobody, nobody died. (laughs) Yes. I didn't get, you know, nobody killed me, nothing bad. I mean, I didn't melt into the ground. It, yes And I went, okay. I know you, as you get older and you get experience, you start to say mistakes are going to happen. You yeah. get a thicker skin and you can
0: move on a lot so yeah. it is and w- worst things happen it's not the worst so you know as exactly. you say well make a plan b <laughs> we'll move on
1: <laughs> exactly well i am interested also to hear since you we're talking about guests and all over the world tell me about some of your guests that you have that are on your podcast i know you have on um dogcast radio there are articles there are blogs there are video there's podcast i mean there's so much information so if you haven't checked it out anybody who's listening definitely go check out Radio because I get like kind of lost in there. There's, I mean, it's great information. <laughs> yes. What is some of the guests that like you maybe have like uh, like a funny story or you remember or something, you know, something that you can share or yeah. or just
0: experience of, of interviewing guests? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, going back to that first cruft, because I've been thinking as I've prepared for this of lots of me- memories of, of DogCast. When we went to our first cruft, like we were standing at this book, store. And I noticed that the Bruce Fogel was standing the writer and, and vet mm-hmm. Bruce Fogle was standing right by us. And I said to Anthony, he'd got a, a BBC badge, Bruce Fogel, um, And I said, that's, that's Bruce Fogel standing mm-hmm. right by us. And he said, right. Anthony said, right, get a card to get a dog. Ca-. This was in the days of giving cards. There. Um, yeah. 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 Get a, get a dog cast radio card and go and give it to him and interview him. And I was like, I can't, I can't, go on, do it, do it. And, and again, that's part of the, the developing a thick skin. And I interviewed him, he was absolutely charming and got a great interview and, you know, lovely to talk to him. And I've spoken to him since um about, cause he, he's um, dog, dogs for the deaf. So he's really interesting. um And things like we stayed, we, we stayed in our caravan at Roger Mugford's who, who does the company of animals, um his training behave week, he set up and and we, I think we phoned him and said, can we, where should we stay? And so he said, oh, bring the caravan down. So, okay, we, we stayed on his, <laughs> in his field. And that was a great experience. We'd gone behind the scenes with wolves and, and done an interviews about wolves because a lot of dog people like wolves. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the ones I was so thrilled, one of the writers I was so thrilled to meet was Ted Curasotti, who okay. wrote Merle, Merle's Door. Uh-huh. And it was the best-selling dog book at the time. And we, we we got the audio book and I listened to it and I can remember crying, crying listening to this book and laughing and thinking. So I, I contacted Ted Carasotti. Another thing, ask, if you don't ask politely, you don't get, you know? Yes. So chance your arm, ask the question, what are the, the what's the worst? They'll say no. Anyway, yeah. he said, yes. So I interviewed him. I was so, I was over the moon to interview him because I love the book. And to then ask him all the questions I'd got was wonderful. Because Merle, he found Merle li- living wild, very young dog, living wild. Um, and, and Ted has gone on, a, on a, an adventure in the wild on a, going down the kayaking down the river. And he was looking for a dog and it was it's sort of like Merle turned up and sort of said, I'm your dog. And then as we've said, the adventure they go on, Merle's door is the door he opened for Ted into his world into Uh dog's world and seeing how dogs see things and you know it's um I I just I just loved it and then interviewing him was amazing and then he was coming over to the UK to do research on why dogs have such short comparatively short lives Mm. and so he's coming over and so I very I was just thinking about this as well the confidence of youth said well come and stay with us oh (laughs) my gosh (laughs) and he went okay yeah so he came to stay with us and um he met our dogs and we drove around with him and he was he, we went to the RSPCA and, and uh, Dogs Trust and he asked them some questions and he was researching. And, and that was fascinating to watch his process that we went out and did all this research. And he came back and he sat all evening um, typing it up. And and that was great. And we chatted as we drove around. So that was that was wonderful. Um, another person that sticks out is Graham Sims, who's he started off as an advertising man and then he ended up. um in he became a vicar he, he became a shepherd oh he my gosh! Work, I know he's he's fascinating <laughs> he can work eight sheepdogs simultaneously and wow. they all have a they all have a different language oh my gosh that,
1: I know that man's oh, brain wow. processes <laughs> wow my
0: brain hurts just thinking about that yeah. many languages <laughs> yeah yeah and he's a lovely man and he's really charming you know in a nice way when I say charming he's lovely he's yes. you know so I really like him he's, he's fascinating and the other guests that I've really enjoyed are the people who are just like me. They're just, you know, they, they love their dog mm-hmm. and it's, it's that private. I like to celebrate publicly that private love of dogs. Yes. And, and it, it's just, I mean, we know dogs are amazing, but they're amazing when they're just in the domestic. I think when yes. they're just in inverted commas, your best friend. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's like a story that's just, I love my dog or it's about health issues mm-hmm. or safety or, or or you know more recently warning about dog theft because people whose dog has been stolen have have a need to get that story out and, and to plead for that dog back and that really touches my heart because that's a horrible situation. To well, be in. So,
1: it's so similar to if you had your child kidnapped. I mean, mm, if, yeah, like if someone stole one of my dogs, uh, it would be to in my heart probably almost as bad as if um someone um stole my child, you know, like it's just, mm. uh, you know, because my kids are all teenagers now, but my dogs still sleep with me. I mean, you know, yeah. my dogs are still with me all the time. And to lose that, it's hard enough to lose an animal to, to pass away and to death. I mean, that's hard, but yeah. that's like expected and it's natural. But when somebody you know, if they run, if they get out and they get and we we lose them, whether they yeah. you know get hit by a car or you know we don't know or they get stolen, that's such a um such a trauma that I don't think non dog people can really yeah.
0: recognize how traumatic that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because just get another dog, you know. Exactly. You get Are you going to replace it? No, never. I exactly. can never. You know. So yes, it's it's a loss that stay would stay with you. and you know would just be that it wouldn't heal would it because you don't know where they are are they okay are they happy are they not just just like a parent who
1: has a child who doesn't ever like you always kind of have that candle burning in the window are they coming back you know and and you know after uh, dogs you know after a certain amount of years They're not going to come back because their life is shorter. Like we were just talking about, but yeah, that is, it is, it's a, it's amazing how much our dogs mean to us and how important they are in our lives. So. yeah, Oh, definitely. Definitely central. So central. to Doing all of this, you know, that you've talked to so many people about so many subjects. What is like something that you feel like, is there something you feel like you've learned like, either generally or even more specifically like just from talking to all
0: the guests you've talked to over the years yeah something that I've gone on a bit of a crusade about is (laughs) (laughs) I have because it it, I love crusades I do crusades (laughs) too that's why I laugh because I love crusades yeah well it became so relevant and important to me and I want to pass it on to other people so when Buddy was three I interviewed Stanley Corrin who was lovely and charming and and obviously very learned and knowledgeable. And I interviewed him about age proofing your dog. And so he got me, gave me lots and lots of information. But one of the things was to use signs with your dog so that if they go deaf, you can still communicate with them. Now, Buddy was only three, you know, he had all his faculties and everything, but I just thought, oh my goodness, yes, because one of the things you can teach them is like a thumbs up for good dog. So Mm -hmm. if they go deaf, you can still tell them they're a good dog. And that just brought me up short because I I know exactly that. Oh my gosh. Well, and I can tell you
1: because my lab, my agility partner, Captain is almost 14. And Hmm. um, he went deaf. He had had chronic ear infections in one ear and then the other ear went deaf. So he's completely deaf. Like he scares me. You know, I walk in and he's asleep and he doesn't hear me anymore. But I have just, just in the last year recognized this because this has all happened this year. I used all hand signals when I trained him. He was my Karen Pryor Academy um, partner. So we he trained, learned all kinds of extra skills because I had to for that course. And he was my agility partner. So we already worked well together. Like he checks in with me. is Should I do this? What should I do? And his deafness is only a problem like if he can't see me or like if he's in the backyard doing something and I have to go tap him or he's in the kitchen and I need him to go to another room and I just have to go get his attention but Mm. beyond that I have told people you know he knows his hand signals for sit and come and down you know stay and I was just telling my kids the other day because I called him with my hand signal to come into the bedroom with I just kind of wave him in you know and he came in and I actually wanted to go out the door because it was getting ready for bed so I wanted to go potty But he ran ahead of me and I was like pointing, but his back was to me when I pointed to the door. But then he looked over his shoulder like, do you want me to go in my kennel, mom? Because that's on the left. Or do you want me to go out that door? Because that's on the right. And he literally just looked at me and I pointed the door and it was almost like not even a passing second. It was like automatic. And it was with a smile. Like he was like, "Okay, um, got it, mom. And, you know, I never taught him the thumbs up. We did clicker training and stuff, but he knows my facial. Yes. So yeah. he knows when I nod my head that he's doing the right thing, or I smile at him, and I know that he knows just because of the way he responds. Like you know, yeah. and if I'm not paying attention to him and and I don't see him and he's confused, he has this face like I need information, I need information. And then if I look at him and I just put my hand like, no, you can stay there. He's like, okay, I can just stay. There. Okay, that's why yeah. she did. he didn't need me to go <laughs> with her. And that is such, that's so funny because that's been my life recently. And I love that you learned that so many years ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it just, when he was, he went to 15 and a half and when he was older, when he was deaf and saying that we only realized how deaf he was because we did use signs. He was spark out of sleep on the sofa, the doorbell rang and he didn't move. And we were like, oh my goodness, okay, <laughs> he really is deaf. Um, but we carried on and I could take him into the garden and he couldn't play fetch anymore, but I could say, wait there. And I didn't make him sit because it would have hurt his bones. Mm-hmm. I'd say there, just wait, put the ball somewhere. Okay, you go get the ball and he mm-hmm. could go, you know, poddle and get it and come back. And he could, you could just see in his face, he had that joy of I'm doing a job or or I'm playing a game or, you know, whatever it was. I could still communicate with him. I could still say, yes, that's what I'm asking you to do. Good dog. You know, and that exactly. was so important because, from from the person's point of view and the dog's point of view, that's that communication is you're still a team. You, yes, you I mean, because yeah.
1: if you imagine us, if we all suddenly lost our hearing and people just keep trying to talk louder at us, but we can't hear them and they're not doing anything to support us, that would be so frustrating and so yeah. you know limiting. And um, and so with our dogs, if we can teach them those things, you know, I mean people have to teach deaf dogs, these things from the beginning, but absolutely, but they get people that have hearing dogs almost take it for granted if they don't Mm -hmm. teach both things. And so I'm actually, I've always taught my, like I teach puppy class in agility, but I have other people who do good manners, but I've always encouraged people to do both hand signals always, you know, just because you never know, maybe your dog's gonna be far away. They can't hear you, blah, blah, blah. Well, now with my more recent experience with captain, it's like, Yeah, yeah, it's important to teach these things because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, they may be hearing their whole life, or they may, you know, have something. So
0: yeah, it's so, it's just so good, so good. Yeah. So one, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So I was just one of the trainers I went to used to do an exercise with us and say, "Don't talk to the dog. Do the whatever the exercise was, heel work or whatever. Do it, but don't say a word to them. Do it all with." you know, gestures and and that was fascinating because when I did start to do cross or bust with Buddy and we did various training, without fail, every trainer said to me, probably in a nice way, some were ruder than others, but every single trainer said, shut up, (laughs) just shut up and let the dog do, you know, don't keep talking to him. You're bombarding him with language give the command shut up
1: (laughs) yeah it's so funny because when I teach agility sometimes I'll say okay this course we're doing you can't cue them with your voice because so much of agility is your shoulders oh isn't it yeah I mean it's like all body language I mean you know really that I don't even like half the time people call like a weave pull a tunnel because they get in their head and they say the word wrong word anyway so I'm like so sometimes I do that exercise with them so they can see how important it is that their body does the work not yes. that they're it's not their words because their words. now sometimes you need a come or a big word because you're changing direction but for the most part it's
0: it's you body know, how yeah. your
1: shoulders are going
0: for sure for sure Yes, yeah. so it's very
1: complex I it is
0: agility exhausting physically but mentally
1: i was like wow i can't do this i know and i always tell my because i've been um, either competing or teaching or doing agilities for over 20 years you know i've had two agility dogs now. And, um, I said, I, you can always keep learning. Like it's never, it's a yeah. never ending. And then every time you have a new dog, you're learning all over again. Yes. So it's fascinating. So with yeah. your podcast, what kind of like, what kind of feedback do you get? Um, like do people call you or comment about, thank you so much for all this information
0: obviously now we get a lot of feedback via social media so people say I love this this really interviewed uh, really enjoyed this interview or or that kind of thing but one of the early things was we had an email from a lady who had written a a, I'd written a story about a a dog being taken into a vet and the the woman was very cross it was quite an an, an, um, emotional story Um, I won't give her weight it's it's on it's on the (laughs) it's not in the podcast and on the website but it was quite a powerful story. And this lady uh, emailed and said, I was crying. I was jogging listening and I was crying. <laughs> and I was like, so overjoyed. And I was like, I said to, to Mr. Dodcast, Is it normal to be that happy that you've made someone cry? <laughs> you know, uh-huh. <laughs> I was, it was, that was great. And another, I love that, those moments of connection because, yes. you know, putting a podcast together it's hard work. Um, mm-hmm. And the editing, I don't think many people know how hard the editing of, you know, you record it a 45 minute podcast, editing that can take, oh gosh, three hours. It's, yes, yeah. it can be a nightmare. But so those moments of connection I love. And we had one one person get in touch and say, she taught her bichon Frise to sneeze. Oh yes. and yeah. And Yeah. And first I was like, I hope this is like kind of this. First of all, I was a bit suspicious. Teaching a dog, anyway. So I got in touch with her and said, "Have you done it?" And basically, like a lot of training, she just put the word, put the cue to the action, and the dog learned. Okay, and and like pretended to sneeze. Very clever dog. So I had her on, and she she got the dog to sneeze on command on the podcast, and then when when that when we used her interview she contacted me contacted me again and said we all it was Christmas and all my family were home and we gathered around the computer and we all listened together and again that was that was wonderful yes. to, to know and yeah. people have just got in touch and um we had it we had a guy with a kickboxing Russian terrier got in touch and uh-huh. it was a security dog and again you know initially you think ah uh, this is a bit of a gimmick of kickboxing security yeah dog, but actually, What he said was, he's a really nice dog. He doesn't naturally bite. I don't want to teach him to do that. But if I teach him to do the kickboxing, he's, and he did do that. He did it on the back door to go out, you know, let me out and Uh he'd kick the door. So he thought, I'll teach him that rather than the bite. So he's kickboxing (laughs) Russian turn, which it's a big dog. Yeah. (laughs) You, totally. you going over. <laughs>
1: exactly i know it is fun when you get people i i because i too when you know put all the things out for truly force free I, I you know it's fun when you get a comment back where you know you've touched someone or you've helped someone or they're yes. like thank you so much for doing what you do because um dog training is you know and animal stuff is complicated and and yes. we've talked about a little bit and technology's changed but dog training has changed and so oh, yeah. gone from very forceful punitive, aversive training, you know, all, and, and we're gradually getting to the more kind, empathetic, compassionate training where we're looking. What I always tell people is we used to always look for the no. Now we're learning to look for the yes. What did my dog do right? What did they do good? You know, instead of always going, what did they do bad? Because as humans, we like to look for the bad all the time. I mean, that's just tends to be how we're wired, but changing our brains so that we can be more compassionate, kind, um, is so interesting. And, And, but it takes this kind of stuff. It takes your podcast. It takes interviews. It takes people hearing it because if they grew up in those old ways of training, Mm -hmm. that's how their parents did it. That's how they learned it. All of a sudden they come out to the world and they, they're like, you're just bribing them or you're just giving them treats. But then when they start (laughs) to hear things like this, they, they happen to catch a podcast where we're talking about something, maybe not even directly to training, but how it's evolved they're like, Oh, and I always tell people, would you go to a doctor who still does, um, you know, leeches, you -hmm, know, and mm -hmm. we used to think the world was flat. Like it's, again, we go back to that mistake. It's kind of funny, but you know, we made mistakes, but we've learned from them and it's okay if you train that way. I mean, I used to choke chain a pinch collar because that's what I was told I had to use when I was 15 years old. And, um, but as long as we've learned from that and we're like Absolutely. okay i don't really like this let's find another way and yeah. and that's where all this technology really does benefit because we could reach more people
0: yeah um, I hope you so. know, than we used to yeah definitely something you said there i really that's that's actually one of my notes That's what you said we look for the yes not the no and i've actually got no is a no no that's <laughs> definitely yes that's definitely one of the things i've learned and again we've we've grown up with that and we've it's instinctive you can, no 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 and there's so much that what does no mean to a dog if mm-hmm. they only understand the words with the concept that you've given them to so for example if if every time they chew your slippers let's say you know you shout no to the dog they begin to learn okay no means chew the slippers okay yeah. you know so it, it doesn't mean it and also if every time you see them do something naughty you or naughty and in inverted commas a, a behavior an undesirable behavior you know you look at them and you say no Oh, every time I do this, she notices me. Yeah, uh, that must be a good, th- you know. And so no is it's so unproductive. And if I could just, you know, say to people, don't use no. I, I you do slip. You do. I do say it. But if in general you start to take that no word out because it's not useful. Well, it's so
1: funny. Sometimes I sometimes have a client come up with me. I just need them to learn no, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> First of all, then I have them, they're sitting in a chair, usually if it's a private or they're standing, if we're in and I'm, and they're standing there and they're talking to me and I say, no. And they're like, what? And I said, no. And they're like, what? And I'm like, right. You don't know what I'm saying no about. Do I not want you to stand? Do I not want you to sit? Do I not want you to look at me? Do I not want you to tap your foot? Do I not want you to, you know, touch your hair? You know, do I not want you to think about what you're thinking about? Do I not want you to like, look, there's behave. There's so many behaviors happening at one time that no means. Nothing. Again, sometimes I'll slip and I'll go, no, don't do that. But then I follow up with the cue I want, like leave it oh, yeah, or yeah. drop it or something because I'm human. And I say no, it's, because it's, human that's, nature. Yeah, it's yeah. Our, in our word. But um, it is that is that's such a great takeaway. My question was going to be, is there anything else you like to share with our audience? But I think that that's a great thing to share because yeah. it's so big. That people use it, and they really want their dog to know no. And instead, and I tell them instead of telling them no, tell them what you want them to do. Yes, because exactly. no gives no information. There's yeah,
0: no. Yeah, yeah. What's what's your criteria? What do you want them to do here? That's the command you need to give them. Because as you say, no just means nothing. The the one thing I was gonna say. Um, yes. With the for takeaways, be kind. Yes. Just be kind. Yeah. And be you know you you can call it what you like positive or reward based or kind or whatever, but. But do, do, do use those kind positive methods. because we've always been kind with our dogs. But with you learn as you go along and you know as we've been talking about, you can only do what you know, you can only mm-hmm. be as good as, you know, as what you know. So one of the things I learned was be positive. And so with Buddy and, and Star, we you know we were positive, we rewarded and we, we tried to be kind and, and nice. But we, we've taken it a step further. So with Mischief, who's a little German Spitzkline, like uh-huh. a Pomeranian, um, who's bright as a button, very, very clever. Um, so we would put you know, 10, 20 treats in our pocket and we'd just go about our day. Anytime we saw her doing something we liked, just drop a treat. Mm-hmm. Don't even say anything, just, you know, there you mm-hmm. go, you can say something if you like, but that's the, the thing that, that's, I like that behavior. And so we've been a lot more, not that we were negative before, but we've been a lot more, we've extended, what we've done and we we've really put effort into being very positive with her she is so because poms have a she has got pomeranian in her ancestry they can they have a reputation they can be a little bit stubborn Mm -hmm. she is the most willing there are four adults who live in the house Mm -hmm. she will do anything for any of us she's the most willing and happy little dog and so that I've seen that in my own dogs I've I've heard about it from other trainers you know and, and so be kind in every sphere of life. but Well, it's also to people, you know, like yeah. when I, I have actually had clients come from other trainers who
1: only tell them all the bad things they do. So when I'm working with somebody, I'm like, okay, you know, they say, oh, I didn't get to practice this or that. And then I'm like, well, you did make this change. You know, like I, if I yes. emphasize the good things they've done, then mm. they're more willing to do the good things more. And just like all of us, I mean, if somebody's constantly Think of a friendship or relationship you have. And if somebody's always telling you like a coach or something that you're doing something bad after a while, you're just like, I don't even want to talk to you. I'm done. I'm done. Yes. But if you could be not that good at whatever you're doing, but if somebody keeps boosting you, you can do best here. Here's another tip. Good job there. Good, good, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is we feel better too. And and we want to do more. So being kind, I always, this is something I always tell people is don't, not just to the animals, be kind and empathetic and compassionate to animals, but to the people and yourself as well, because that is just so important. If we could just do that across the world, there would be, it would just make such a big difference.
0: Wouldn't it? yeah absolutely yeah yeah and it's it's difficult and you all have off days and you know but but if you can aim for that yes you know because basically we we have our dogs to make them happy yes I'd I'd like to think that you know because Uh, yeah when you when you look at what people google the searches that people google um one of the things that how do I make my dog happy is one of them that's yeah. what people want to know. How do I make my dog happy? Well, yeah. you know, first of all, listen to to your podcast and my cast. My, my <laughs> podcast. But you know, see things from the dog's point of view if you can learn what what you think the dog might be thinking um yes. and taking in a feeling and you know, how how would you feel if if as you say if you're if you're a person your owner your guardian whatever you want to say. It was constantly no, no, no and negative whereas if if the worst thing that can happen to you is they don't give you the tri- the reward it's, straight away, well, then you're willing to have a try, aren't you? You know. Exactly. Exactly. So oh I we
1: could talk forever, Julie. I just love having you. Um,
0: I it's love always being here. so
1: fun talking to you. We just need to keep coming up with excuses to do this so that we can Absolutely. talk. time we're gonna Definitely. have to travel and see each other in person. Ooh, so it's yeah, be so good. amazing. So well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um And uh, we will make sure everyone knows about your, about dog um, cast radio so that it's, you know, there, but uh, thank you again so much for being here. And I hope that everybody enjoyed listening to this and and maybe it motivates people to make a little change, whether it's being a little more patient with them themselves or their dogs with mistakes or being more kind or, you know, just exploring a different way of training. Um, maybe it'll help if it helps us that
0: one person we've made a difference, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Definitely. I, I I believe that. So, I mean, I'll sign off as I sign off the podcast every time. So look after yourselves and your dogs. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll see you hopefully again. All right. Thanks
1: everybody.